The Rebrand Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. Welcome to the Rebrand Podcast, an I Hear Everything production. This podcast tells the stories of world-changing marketing campaigns as told by the people who build them. In each episode, you'll hear a brilliant marketer talk through the strategy, framework, and tactics used to elevate their brands to new heights. Ready to hear untold stories behind the brands you love? Then sit back, relax, and get ready for the Rebrand Here's the host of the Rebrand Podcast, the CEO of the Harkey Group, Scott Harkey. Yesterday, Jason and I talked about marketing golf to a younger demographic, how this bad birdie sensation has, has really exploded and why it was needed and the challenges and opportunities he faces. But today we're going to talk about branding bad birdies amateur collection. We're also going to get into what's it like as an entrepreneur, as a marketing kind of agency person that goes off and, and becomes taking a brand to market. I know a ton of my friends in the agency business, myself included, we've always wanted that challenge of like, okay, I've been a high-level marketing person. Now I'm going to take the step and I'm going to bring a brand to market. I, I think I'm talented. I, I think I can do it. I love agencies. So if you're a, you know, someone younger in the business and you're working for an agency, I truly believe whether it's a production agency, a full-service agency, an integrated agency, a digital agency, those experiences will catapult you in your career, whether you want to go internal on the brand side as a marketing person or whether you want to be your own entrepreneur. I really think it helps arm you with the tools. And Jason is a walking example of that. So I, I just wanted to make that little point because I'm such a big fan of, look, you may work for an agency your whole career. It might be for five years, but I'm a big fan. I, I think that working for an agency does prepare you at a high level for marketing wherever you go. So I, I thought that was a kind of a cool insight that, that we learned from Jason early on in the show when we heard his background. All right, but let's jump into it. Jason Richardson, CEO of Bad Birdie. What's up, brother? We're back. What's up? Thanks for having me back. No worries. So the one thing I, I mean, we'll get into the autograph collection, but just quickly, I, I want to know like what it's like to go from agency marketing person to a CEO and how much do you still trust yourself? And are you involved in like the brand building side and some of the marketing? I, I would assume a lot, but I would just be curious, like, has that been challenging where you'd have to pull out of some certain things and empower your team? Are you still pretty hands-on? Is it, is it a lot yeah. more responsibilities with all the hats you have to wear as a as a fast growing entrepreneur company, you know, I'd, I'd love to hear like maybe your thoughts on that. Yeah. So for anyone who's worked in an agency, I hear you, or I, I feel like I know you a little bit. Just the thing yeah. that I think I learned the most from agencies is the amount of work I put when I was on staff. But I think the benefit of working in an agency is, you know, you get so much exposure to different types of clients and projects and understand what it takes for a team to rally around and do a really quick project, right? So all those late nights you pull are those just like, just the stuff you have to do, like as the agency, you are trying to provide the best possible creative experience for your client. And in doing that, I mean, dude, I was bred as a racehorse, man. Like I feel like I, I worked an insane amount of hours. I learned a ton. I learned amazing problem and creative skills. And so all of that helped me to, like I used all those skills I learned to start Bad Birdie. So. For anyone who wants That's to go wild. do that, I would just I would just rely on like, hey, 
it's going to get even harder than that. So like, don't be afraid of hard work. I think one of my favorite kind of quotes, I don't know who said this, but it's not the business that fails, it's the entrepreneur that fails. And I think a lot of that comes down to how much, how hard can you work and how much like grit and perseverance can you have to go through? And so Damn, on that side, but I think it's a reality. And I, I did say sure. that to someone else the other week and they're like, oh, that's, that is heavy. But I think it, I mean, being an entrepreneur is heavy. I'm not going to lie. People think it's glamorous. People think it's, it, you know, it has all these perks and it does, but it is really hard. Uh, I mean, Scott, you can probably speak to that, right? I, it's, like, it is it is very, very hard, and there's yeah. a lot of pressure. I mean, I've just the amount of pressure and people that can affect their family and livelihood and partner, like, it's it's very heavy. But I love what you said on a little more of a positive note of the <laughs> we rally. We actually redid our core values as our group of agencies and our main integrated agency, OH Partners. We came up with that as a, a core value is that we rally and yeah. we, because that's the, that's when agencies are at their best yep. is those late nights on a project that people are super frustrated on. And like, I, I do believe that pressure is what creates amazing work for brands as a hired marketing service company. I mean, you're in marketing services, you're servicing a client in some sort of marketing support. And when you have a bunch of different personalities together, pressure cooking, some sort of crazy idea or content or late night at multiple shoots or whatever, some insight that you're developing that, that we rally is, I, I love that you said that. So yeah, I, I agree. And, and I think it sounds like you've taken that same grit and perspective and creative to your company at Bad Birdies, which is a lot of the success. Yeah, totally. And so I think, I think the caveat to all that, right? Like I love what I do. So like the grit is enjoyment to me. It's not like I'm like, oh man, I have to do this. Like those late nights at agencies, I love doing that work. I love, it was so fun. It was some of the best memories in my career is like those late nights coming together as a team. And I think I oftentimes think about, you know, work in like sports teams, right? Like I don't think there's any pro basketball player who's like bummed he has to go to practice or bummed that he has to watch mm -hmm tape late night like it's like it's kind of what you get to do and so to circle back so i just wanted to say that but to circle back to like what it's like and what am i actually doing now so as an entrepreneur you do everything so i started the business with i bootstrapped the whole thing and i still have done that and so i've done everything i haven't had a partner or outside investors and so when you when you're a solo founder and you start it you do everything so i've done every aspect of coming up with this creative idea to packing a box to taking out the trash at night in the warehouse like everything like that and so what happens is the joy of scaling a business is like learning where to delegate and where your strengths are and that is an ongoing process for me but where we are at now i think the reason that bad birdie has been successful is because of the stuff that is subjective and so what i think is and it's subjective in an apparel industry is the creative and the brand and then the design itself, right? So the assortment and the product that you're creating. Everything else requires a lot of work, but generally speaking, you can systemize and build best practices. It's more of an optimization game versus like, what's our next big brand campaign or what's our next big assortment that's gonna hopefully sell out or what is our next kind of idea side of the game? Like that is where I'm trying to move towards. But historically, I mean, I'm, I probably only spent about 10 to 15% of my time on that. I have made some recent hires where I'm supposedly hoping to do 70 to 80% of my time on that creative, subjective kind of vision work and working with our teams to bring that stuff to life. So I'm really excited about that. But the reality is, I mean, dude, you're not, I'm not sitting in an office every day being like, I'm going to go like come up with a new polo idea. Like I don't have time for that. Like it's, you're putting out fires, 
you are dealing with warehouse fires at a larger scale. You're dealing with finance, you're dealing with people, you're dealing with HR, you're dealing with sell. How are you going to sell into the customer? How do we fix what was wrong? How do we open a new, you know, sales channel? Like it's, it's all these things, but all of it is like so fun for me. And it's just like this continual growth process of like, oh my gosh, we can go chase that. And that's new. So I don't know if that gives good context. I always say as an entrepreneur, you have really high highs and really low lows. And you have to be able to bounce back from those low lows and not get cocky when you're up top. Because as soon as you get cocky up top and you're like having the best whatever, not to be scared, right? But you're going to have a low at some point. And so it's being able to balance that. So, you know, you and I both are in YPO and we had a little forum meeting or whatever. And there was this guy that came in and all about, he, he wrote like a bunch of books about adversity. And they've studied all these entrepreneurs and athletes and successful people. And the number one trait that they found was the adversity effect. Like, how have you handled adversity, not only now in your daily job, but like a lot of people like showed up early on. There were some major like traumatic things as kids and adversity they faced. And then they found that like people eventually get to a point where they're handling adversity like 25 times a day or something. I forget the number. And how you can battle and handle that adversity, you know, and, and how quickly you can deal with adversity and how you can kind of control your vibe basically during that adversity is, is a major and one of the most predictors of success. So like, I kind of heard that a little bit too. I know we're off kind of not on marketing a little bit, but that's something yeah. I think about a lot is like, as adversity comes up every day, which it does, like you and I get on our call, like right off the bat, we're like, oh shit, man, we're both dealing with some shit right now. Nothing yeah. major, but adversity. That's probably what, what you're probably seeing now. And like, is any. I don't know, any thought or comment to that? I know I just went on a little ramble. The, I, I read something about that too. It is that persistence. It's it's like, I, I like to work through it around it, but yep. if you get punched, can you get knocked down, can you get back up? And are you going to do it in a way that you're going to learn from it and not just like, I don't know. It's like you get knocked down, but then you grow back stronger instead of just getting like, how do I avoid that again? Versus you get hit and then knocked down by the same thing over and over. Then you're just kind of, it's not smart. I, I, I agree. And, and I do think to your other point, and, and I think a lot about this too, is I think a CEO's job, an entrepreneur's job is to be that visionary. And you're going to have to empower other people to take on, you know, other jobs. And, you know, visionaries are marketers. Let's face it. That's, that's what it is. Mm -hmm. um, and that's why, you know, more CMOs today are getting hired as CEOs. It's not the CFOs anymore. Like you need someone who thinks of the future and the vision of where things are going and, and, and then the products have to be there with it. All right, I'm all over the place, but let's let's go to this this amateur collection. We're gonna have a little bit more time, so walk us through that. And then I, I knew you also launched your your women's line recently too, which I know mm -hmm. my girlfriend Shay is like so excited about. It. I mean, beautiful looking product. So would love to hear a little bit more about the why behind those and and some of the marketing. Yeah, so to speak to the amateurs collection, every golfer's favorite turn of the new year is the Masters, and so she's this. It's a great kickoff to the golf season. It's in April, it's in Augusta, and it's just like so fun to watch. And it's this moment in golf sporting area that everyone just like, it's like golf is here, golf season is here. And so that's a really big opportunity for us to create a lot of energy around our brand. And so we have been doing this a couple of years, so we do a limited edition amateurs to play on the Masters every year. I'm still waiting on a season desist, but nothing yet. <laughs> yeah, we do an amateurs collection every year and do a collection that is inspired by the masters and it generally sells out the day of or in a couple of days. The amateurs I, uh, collection is this idea that let's just piggyback off a really big energy moment in sporting, in sports. And so um, we do like a limited edition hat, part two, 
um, some polos and sweatshirts, and it's just really fun. If you're in the golf space, people are obsessed with the Masters. I don't know how to describe it. Like, I feel like it's even more so than people like NBA Finals or people like MLB, like or like World Series. Like, it's like Masters for golfers is like this. People are obsessed about it. Maybe because it's really really hard to even get access to it. But for whatever reason, it is. It's got this hyper big following and. We just we drive an energy moment through that every year, and so just approved this week this next following collection that's coming out in April, which is really cool. And that's just for us from a marketing standpoint. I think it's important to have those energy moments that gives your customer a, access to something that's limited and access to like a little bit of a scarcity model on that. Um, <laughs> in the same way that the Masters is right, Masters is a scarcity model. That's why yeah. everyone waits. And they cry when they get their tickets because they're like, I've been trying this for a long time. So we're basically taking a really big moment that's relevant in culture, and then we're duplicating it in our apparel. So scarcity, scarcity, limited, limited, and then we do that. So it's really fun and it sells out. And, you know, not even all of our staff, we, we, we don't even make it available to all of our staff. Like you, you have to buy it, like all the rest of the consumers at 5 a.m., like whenever it goes live. That's really and cool. then yeah, we actually had Mindy Weinstein on who wrote a whole book about scarcity. She's actually oh, in Arizona nice. too. I've known her husband oh, forever. Awesome. It was fascinating. And I think not enough brands are doing it. I know I'm not doing it enough of this whole scarcity model and not like the bro culture marketing of like countdown bullshit and like non-authentic no. kind of stuff, but like truly one of a kind kind of items that you're packaging or limited time items that, you know, just they sell out and they're supposed to sell out and they're supposed to be for your, you know, top fans and brand fans to get a chance to get a piece of that. I, I, I love that. So it's cool to see you're, you're on that trend for sure. Yeah. And it's just fun to see it. It's like, it's like watching, just fun to see how many people are on the site and trying to buy it. And then people are like, Oh no, I didn't get it. And you see on eBay the next day. I, yeah. I, I, mean, I mean, it's what Jordan brand with some of the collabs and stuff they're doing. I mean, it's, I oh mean, yeah. I mean, Nike sneak, sneakers, Nike sneakers app. That's all it is. It's crazy. I've seen it. I remember I was in New York. I'm like, why are these lines at all these buildings? Like, it's some limited time shit. A business standpoint, it, Go sorry, ahead. the last thing I'll make, it, it drives energy to our website. And so we'll sell, we'll, and it drives energy to the brand, but we'll also get reciprocal benefit from that. So people aren't just buying, they're buying the amateurs collection and the next thing. What's next for Bad Birdie? Yeah, next. So uh, you mentioned a little bit, but we've made a really big investment in women this year with the growth of golf in this new wave. The sport is becoming more inclusive and it's no longer just the dudes, an, an old rich white dude sport. It's, it's becoming more inclusive and there's been a massive move towards, towards women in the game and it's become more relevant. It's become more of a social outing aspect and it's been more something that a lot of women can compete in. And, you know, I think that so massive open space. Everyone is so funny. We launched our women's line and like everyone's launching women's line now, but we tried to create a really cool women's line with all new different types of silhouettes and pieces that you haven't seen in golf. So Court of Bad Birdie, being creative, being bold, we created some really cool pieces that uh, were designed entirely by our women's staff internally. The first kickoff meeting, I gave some notes on it and they all, all the women were like, Jason, that's horrible feedback. And my wife was in that meeting too. And she's like, yeah, you're not, you don't understand this. And I was like, all right. So from that day on, like a year ago, I was like, I'm going to sit here and enjoy the ride and give opinions and just kind of watch you guys make watch you ladies make a really cool collection they did and it's gotten a really good response so that's cool was there data that you looked at about the opportunity for a women's line or did you just see lack of innovative product for women in the industry and i know my girlfriend has said that a ton like about women's lines yeah so so the data to back it up right like we did some analysis i did some analysis about a year and a half ago just to kind of check the golf market and our total addressable market with men's is X size, but if we added women's, we could increase it by 
some of a business standpoint, I'm like, wait, if we launch a women's line, we can basically add another up to if we maxed it out 30% of revenue because we're opening our customer base. And that number is going to continue to grow where historically, I don't, I don't know what the exact number was, but it was a lot lower. So we used metrics to back into that beginning investment. Cause if it was like, Oh, only 5% of all golfers are, you know, are women and they only, they, a very small percentage want to wear the product. Then that's a tough business decision. I think it's just tough to build a business around that small of a market, but yeah, it's been great so far. And I think it's continuing to grow. And we, we wanted to create a line that like, hopefully women would be like, I want to play golf because of bad birdie and seeing that product. And so that's a lot of my, <laughs> cool. my wife and her friends. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree with you. And just the game continues to grow. It's like golf and pickleball. Like what, what are we going to see in those sports? And you know, what, what I, what I think is cool about golf and even pickleball too, like we'll, we'll throw that in there for the hell of it, but are they games or are they a sport? Right. Like is uh, right. Like this is like the, the debate. I, I personally think it's a game cause you have handicaps, like you're making it fun. Like it, it's yeah. about the vibe. It's not about what you shoot or what you score. Um, yeah. And I think that's why it's expanding and, and you've seen live and all this stuff with live and PGA going down now. And so I, I just think it's one of those kind of uh, evolution sport evolving in front of our eyes, which is allowing just more and more access for people. It's not just the old country club, you know, old white guy kind of thing. And, and you guys were like kind of a part of the pioneering that, which why you've seen the copycats, I think. Yeah, no, I, I think those, you know, golf, pickleball, they can be played as like a really competitive sport. They can also just be played as like, hey, um, I'm just going to have fun and play super recreationally and not keep score. I think our brand leans a little bit like I would say we're a recreational sport position on that. So like most of our customers probably are keeping score and are having a fun time and trying to be competitive and keep a handicap, but they're not going to be spending five minutes to read a putt and go overly above it. <laughs> so it's just, it's like, we're, we go out there to have a fun time and we keep, like we do treat it as a sport and be competitive with it because that is the fun side of it. We're not going to like break a club after missing a putt every single yeah. time. Like there's some, there's some golfers. I'm like, dude, chill out, bro. Like you're, yeah. you're like, let's have fun. And okay, you can get mad on a couple. That's normal. Or you can, but it's like some people are so hardcore and I'm like, dude, that is just not fun. So it's funny when you get paired up with the wrong person golfing and it just makes life yeah. miserable. You're like, I yeah. can't, you know what I mean? Like I can't bro. Dude, I think you get paired up with someone in bad birdie. You're going to have a good time. Our customers are going to be people that are like really welcoming, warm, and just have a great time on the course. Like I, I don't think you would ever like get paired in a, with someone in a bad birdie and be like, oh, that guy sucked. Or that woman was not fun to play with. That's so cool how you understand that like consumer insight. Well, okay, what keeps you up at night? I think as our business has grown, just you're managing a bunch of different people and personalities. And I try to be really empathetic to people and make sure people are feeling valued and cared for and know their growth and all that stuff. And so just become more much more of a people leader. And with that mm -hmm. just comes the weight of everything that is involved with caring for people. So that's the stuff that, you know, thinking about a certain employer or team that might be going through something tough. That's definitely what keeps me up. That's great. Well, I know we're, we're, we're both going to get back to the, uh, the trenches of, of the fires we're putting out today, but man, thanks for coming on. It's great having you. Uh, best luck to bad birdie. Uh, I know the audience has uh, really gained some value and insights. I love so much of what you said on, on the limited time offer scarcity. How you talked about the last thing on the, on the people and the weight of, of people leading on your shoulders of keeping you up at night. I know a lot of people can relate to that and then how you keep innovating a, a really fun industry. And then the last thing I mean, in both episodes, just how much a marketing mindset and the grind of it working for an agency or just being in the trenches in marketing can really 
prepare you for your next business challenge. I thought that was really cool too. I thought that was a great insight. So, so much we learned. Appreciate you, man. I know you're slam busy. So thanks for coming on and hopefully I'll catch you on the golf course here soon. Yeah. Thank you so much, Scott. 